coming to you from our new home at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts. We are the Superflex Super Show. We talk QB values, Superflex strategies, evaluate and debate Superflex trades, plus our own twist on Superflex team management with exercises like Tinderflex, Super 6, and You Are Nuts. So when you're done with this awesome DLF podcast, find us on Twitter at Superflex Show and join us in the discussion of the fastest growing format in all of fantasy football, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. I'm usually joined by my co-host Jake Anderson at Jake Anderson FF on Twitter. Unfortunately, he's still busy lifing and you know raising kids or something that there was some mention of priorities. I don't know. And so I went and found uh, someone else. Uh, this is terrible. No, that's okay. That's fine. We aren't going to life, and we we're done raising our kids, right? Right. Um, so our kids, but our I did kids have are some t- all, I think about the same age and rather young, but we're done, right? Pretty much. Yeah, it's to kick them out of the house at this point. They can wipe themselves, uh, but I had they're some, good. But I had some subjects I wanted to talk about um, that I thought required some moderation. So I went and found the most even keel guy I could that's really good at fantasy football and uh, good at keeping me in line. Um, one of my commissioners in one of my leagues, John Bosch. Oh, it's going all right, Peter. We had a fun Thursday night football game, so now we get to talk some fantasy football after it. Excited to be I here. Haven't the crossroads. Box score yet. <laughs> Thank you for. I feel like that I should. Late. I feel like I should uh, like dig a little hole and bury like some bones. Right? Isn't that what you do at Crossroads? It feels like you just admitted to everyone that the only reason you're here is because you owe me a favor. Like, yeah, I'm real excited to be here. No, I am excited. Uh, that didn't come through. Are we done? Are we? <laughs> no, I am excited. We've already talked for an hour before hitting record, Peter. Uh, I'm checking the box score since I obviously don't watch football since uh, I'm a nerd. Um, Gerald Everett is now tight end one. Is that about the size of it? Yeah, he had a good and, game. Um, Will Disley is tight end two. So that's nice. That's nice to know for Dynasty, apparently. Yeah, both good games from them. Rashad Penny did not beat Chris Carson in any way, so we just won't mention nope. that. Um, that didn't that didn't happen. Hey, Jake. And uh, Todd Gurley is oh, still only getting 15 keep, carries. Keep looking down. at those Seahawks receivers. I'm surprised Jake isn't on here right now. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I see David Moore got a <laughs> catch for 10 yards and a touchdown. That's uh, <laughs> He'll be real excited I'm not sure how that. the alphabetical order goes. I think he might have missed somebody. Well, Tyler Lockett did pretty well, yeah. All righty. So we'll just move right past that. <laughs> All right, so what was our subject tonight? Yeah, I wanted to talk about um, trades a little bit because I've been experimenting in them because I had a random thought and I can't not follow up random thoughts. And I've discovered that, one, I'm apparently very bad at trade offers, like um, just just outright bad. And so I'm thinking incorrectly about them is my assumption. So I want to talk through some of my assumptions about trades and see if John could put me on the right track. Um, and also, apparently, the easiest way to, like, literally harm someone in real life through fantasy football is to send them a trade bad trade offer like that 
has a literal visceral effect and they need you to know what a bad person you are for doing that you're pretty good at trading right i do you have any mortal enemies because because of, of the trade offers you've sent I uh, yes. i don't know because i don't read the replies no um just i don't think i'm terrible at it i think i've I think I've gotten okay at it, but I'm still, every time I go to send a trade, I do wonder, is this going to be one that just offends somebody? But then I also remember, oh wait, I don't really care if I offend them. So it doesn't matter. Trades in general, like, I don't think I understand value. And I certainly, I think podcasts and Twitter specifically has misled me to thinking that teams build, that that's a thing. Like, um, because most of the league enters the playoffs and there you can rely on variance and you can do a lot better than your team should do from the start of the season but making it into the playoffs decide massive swings um isn't the hardest job in the world and i've I, I can remember a few instances of not making the playoffs because of some drastic loss for a team or something like that but this year i actually have two teams that are clearly in the tank and i i, I posted my thoughts on this on, on twitter i was basically saying why would i hold top five running backs on my roster if uh, my teams can't win this year and i got a lot of questions back about am i losing and like i don't know i'd have to see the league but i think the best way of gauging it is you can kind of feel it that's my experience with these two teams like i kind of know i'm done this year i'm not getting there um i'm not probably not getting into the playoffs and so i took this as an opportunity it's like i've heard of this building thing people do not just trying to improve or trying to get value but like not tearing down either but trading for the future and it's not something i've ever really actually tried full on so it's like these two teams are clearly in the tank so i'll send out building trade offers and so my first thought on the, that kind of building trade offer was to go to teams that are not in the tank and say hey would you like running backs for wide receivers and now i have like three new more enemies John, like, is that not a good thought for trades? It is a good thought. Um, but you have, you're counting on everybody else doing an honest assessment of what their role is um, and what their team is. Not everybody wants to do that assessment. It's tough. Um, I have some teams where I've had to look at them and think, man, I thought this was a good team, but I'm starting out 0-4 or 1-3. What I basically do then is I'll go and I'll look at, like, my all-play win percentage and I'll see, maybe I just had some bad schedule variants. I'll look at my points for, see where I'm at there. One one of the leagues specifically that I looked at, I'm one in three, and I'm dead last in the rankings, but I'm still top six in scoring. So, And my all-play win percentage was much better. <laughs> if I played every team every week, I'd be up in the top six, which is playoff bound. So that makes sense. So there, I, there right. I'm not, I'm not going to be tearing it down. So people that send me offers without also understanding that they obviously think that I'm a one in three team that is just going to sell everything off and move on now. So the fact that they didn't do that same assessment definitely leads me to think, Oh, they're just trying to screw me right now. So I I get that feeling when you're on the receiving end of it, but only if you've done that honest assessment and you can, you feel comfortable with where you're at. That's fair, and I don't mean to, like, use me as a foil, right? Like, this is generic, allegorical experience. Mm-hmm. Everyone can always deny my trades. It doesn't mean trades are broken, but I kind of feel like trades are broken. Um, and so I'm kind of coming from that perspective. So, like, it's not just my experience. I mean, in general, like, obviously there's something wrong I want to fix. I want to get better at this thing that's always kind of been a side policy, a side entertainment in Dynasty or Redraft Leagues, which is trading. 
So, uh, like, I want us to talk about it on a generic, not just my experiences. And it just makes sense to me that running backs are for winning and wide receivers are for extending value into next year. Um, a little bit more, just because of the nature of the position. The top five is incredibly unstable at running back. It's incredibly stable at wide receiver, especially if you're not listening to too much youth hype, frankly, especially in Dynasty. And so I just wanted to get a sense of, in the generic, where should trades be? Um, and so the thing I put out on Twitter is, like, if you have a top five running back in Dynasty, and you are clearly in the tank. Not like you might win, or you suffered variance through the first four games, or you waited for Nick Chubb, and now he's here, and your other running back is Alvin Kamara. Like, go win those damn leagues, okay? <laughs> like, you're going to the playoffs, let's get it done. But, um, so, this is a clearly, I can't do it, unless I get some wild variant swings, which, you know, maybe. But, um, if you're not even making the playoffs, like, it would take a miracle. Doesn't it make sense to trade a top five running back? For me, I, I think so too. I mean, running backs, anytime I've built a team, running backs are the last thing I add. And when I go for them, then I add a bunch of them. Um, you know, I don't want running backs on a team where I want my draft pick to be good. If I'm, we'll call it rebuilding, as you call it. Some people call it tanking, whatever. If you just don't have those players on your team, they can't increase your potential points. You're in good shape. Let your wide receivers age let your quarterbacks grow up and your tight ends grow up and when you hit that point where all you need is the running backs then you go after them hard there are certain running backs where it would be tough for me to trade even from the bottom unless you're getting a super good return you know right now right. trading Saquon Barkley we that man's that man's a robot so you know i think he can follow the same same type of pattern that you can invest in him and he's not going to lose value year over year. But everybody else up there, you know, they very well could. Look what happened to Gurley. He went from the number one running back to now everybody was questioning him for the first, what, two, uh, maybe three weeks of this season. Now all of a sudden he's back because he, of course, looked good again tonight. But, you know, that's how quickly it, it can fall. He went from the number one asset to straight down the wide receivers don't have that same swing so i totally understand what your intent is there there are two big caveats it's only if you're definitely done and if you can get if you can't then well that's another part i guess i want to talk about trades like if you're clearly done and you have a top five running back and you're not getting trade offers isn't everyone else in your league kind of an idiot probably <laughs> right i don't know if they're an idiot but it depends and you can't win like, why wouldn't the team that's, you know, 4-0, and like, send you a trade offer? Like, Davin Cooks clearly could be a league winner, or Christian McCaffrey. And, and I think one of the points here is that, um, to be clear, like, you probably don't have CMC and Dalvin if you're definitely done. That, that is something I wanted to mention. And that's the thing. I, I don't think people are nearly as active as trying to win taking it out of the top five though running backs are still about winning and on my teams i don't have top five running backs um and taking it away from my teams because that just seems way too personal and uh, i'm not actually talking about the people in my league I'm, I'm trying to understand it from that generic point of view like Kerryon johnson isn't on any of my rosters but if he could very clearly be on one of your teams that's struggling this year um i think someone that's winning this year should be targeting that type of player on your roster, a top 24, very, very good top 24 running back that struggled early in the season. That team might be done. 
wouldn't you try and send trade offers for that? And wouldn't you be willing to give up wide receivers like, who are very good, to be fair, Tyler Boyd, Kenny Dolladay, and other top 24 mid-range um, wide receivers. Wide receivers between the ages 25, 26, so you're not giving up your youthful stars or even your value for the future, but also definitely mean that the team that's getting them has value for next year for giving you an asset that can definitely help you win this year. Is that reasonable? It depends. It depends on their roster construction and if they can spare that and if they need a carry on Johnson. Uh, you know, Joe Mixon. Like that that range of But don't you always need running backs? Like if you're going into the playoffs, you know you're going to the playoffs and you're killing it with two different running backs. Like last year we we saw running backs go down. We always do. And I think last year was one of the easier years in terms of a lack of running back injuries in the final outside of Todd Gurley. So like wouldn't like it's your roster construction, yes, but if you're definitely in the running to win this league, like Karen Johnson on your bench helps you. And why would you not push your chips in to try and totally win? Totally get it. That's why I said when I go for running back, I, I add a bunch of them. I mean, I'll just throw them all at the at the wall. You know, I have a lot of Sony that's not doing me well this year. I, I have a lot of, uh, well, not a lot, but I have a few Damian Williams. Hasn't done much for me this year. But at the time when I added him, I was like, hey, that's just another one just in case. And when Melvin Gordon decided to hold out, it was really nice to have Damian Williams for a little bit of time to cover that kind of issue up. So well, I agree with you that stashing a bunch of running backs is great, but a lot of people don't don't look at it like that until it's too late, and then they have to get a running back. And of course, then you get to play it to your advantage. So while you can offer in advance what really is going to happen if they say no, then when inevitably they can't shoot the needle and avoid running back injuries all year, then they're going to remember that you sent that offer at least and that you have made this player available to them. They might come back to it. Well, of course, then the situation's changed. The price has changed. So, I mean, it can be worked to your advantage. It's still great to send that offer because then you've at least let them know that that running back is available. Even if they didn't want it right now, maybe three weeks from now, one of their running back goes down and they realize they need a running back. So then you can get that wide receiver from them that you crave. I guess that's part of my um, problem at the bottom of the league here. Um, because, like, I want to do something. Like, I'm I, I'm finding a lot of teams willing to sit there, go, well, variance is a bitch. Next year I'll be better. I'll do dwell in drafting. I might hit something off the wave. And all of that is good. But, like, I, maybe it's just me and maybe I'm wrong. But, like, I want to get active. Like, I don't just want to sit here and let the season happen to me. We get a very short season with 16 games. Like, I've been waiting for a really long time for the season to start. I'm already dead. So I want to get active. And maybe, like you say, it's better to wait. And I'm just overly impatient. But, like, at the bottom of the league, I'm like, let's do shit. Let's, let's bet on variants. Let's try and extend our roster into next year. Or let's trade our valuable players for high variance players. But um, to reverse it, because it's sounding overly like a guy whining, he can't make trades <laughs> sounding. It's actually given me some perspective on the leagues that I'm 4-0, and 3-1, and one, and clearly deserve to be. And, like, I realize I'm making... And that's why I listed those mistakes. I'm making them. Like, I'm sitting pretty in leagues where Le'Veon Bell's on a team that isn't doing so hot. I'm like, I should be trading for that guy. Because I think one of the mistakes in Dynasty, I've said it and I'm not following through on it. And that's kind of why I thought trades were an interesting topic right now, especially in week four, when you kind of have a much better idea of where you are in the season. If you're killing it, you also should be active. Like you should be trying to add those guys if they're on teams that are clearly not that. 
And, and this is strictly dynasty. Like in redraft, you obviously that doesn't make a lot of sense to play for next year. In dynasty, as a winner, I'm like I should trade for Le'Veon Bell, Leonard Fournette, Kerry and Johnson. All these guys that might be on teams that are struggling and looking at next year more in dynasty. And I wasn't doing that, so I started to send them out, and they're really painful. I'm not going to suggest they're not painful. Like, I was just talking about a trade with Christian Kirk. Like, I in no way ever want to get rid of Tyler Lockett, Christian Kirk, Juju Smith-Schuster. These guys are what I want on my roster. So it made me reevaluate what I think about these guys. And again, I found I was being kind of hypocritical because something I've said about those guys is they're more valuable because of longer-term play. But when I think about value, and this is something I want to run past you, John, like value is in a, in a sense just saying they have capital or they have cash. Let's just call it what we think of it is it's currency. But the only thing you can buy in Dynasty, it's not like you can store it up like you can with money, give to your kids, and they can live the life. And, like, the only thing you can buy with it is wins. So the only reason to have a high-value wide receiver isn't really for the points, because running back points really, sco- really win you leagues. Wide receiver points are nice, and they add to it. And I found that I had this fantasy in my head that what I would have is a roster that wins successive years, when the fact is different players will win you different years. So really, you should be expecting to turn over players on your roster, and you should be using value to do that. So the good wide receivers that I have, their value in them, I should trade for lower value wide receivers and running backs to try and win this year, because that's the only reason of having that value. That was a hell of a big sentence. Sorry about that. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, you're you're saying that... It, even from when you're in the winning perspective, it it's hard to look at it from that other way because you're giving up an asset that you know has that longer term value. That's tough. To, that's tough to think about and, and decide to give up. It's real easy when a guy gets hurt to trade him. Like you're like, oh, that guy's not definitely not going to help me this year. But like you said, Christian Kirk, who <laughs> who of course is now hurt. But uh, <laughs> oh, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but you know, even when he wasn't, same thing. You see potential for this year and the future, whereas Le'Veon Bell doesn't have perhaps as bright of a future. I don't think I I would want Le'Veon Bell in that because just right, value right, wise. Right. But I understand I understand where you're trying to come from. That the wide receiver longer term, you know, three years from now, Christian Kirk has all all the value, and Le'Veon Bell has none. I think Le'Veon Bell still has one more year next year. But. Well, sure, but. Would you be as sure that Christian Kirk has Christian the Kirk same value next year or Le'Veon Bell? Correct. Of the two, and of that's the, two, the game we're playing. Christian right? Kirk is the much more stable asset. And the reason they came to mind when I was looking at rosters is because they have the same amount of fantasy points. And Christian Kirk's at wide receiver, which makes him worth less, but he's 22, which puts you in a value window type situation. And so they seem like a fair comparison to me to some to some extent. Um, and again, this is a mistake. Like, I'm not laying this on someone else's door. This is something I realize I'm not doing. Like, I'm holding on to Christian Kirk, because why wouldn't I? Well, I wouldn't, because I want to win, and I don't think Christian Kirk can help me win it. I think Le'Veon Bell can. Um, I think Karen Johnson can. I want Christian Kirk, but in points season, the points part of the season, which <laughs> I really enjoy referring it to it that way, the data gathering season, it was my well, my vote, but no one no one really went with that. No one really went with the games just being the boring data gathering that's section. That's pretty boring. Um, for some reason. So, like, that's something I'm playing with. Like, as painful as it is, and, and, and the other thing to note about that is it could not work. Like, you could do this, you trade for Karen Johnson, and he's the one that gets injured next week, and you lost Christian Kirk. So that's that's the other problem with it. But I really think I th- 
again, it's that fantasy in my head that one roster can win successive years. And the fact is that if you have a winning roster, it probably isn't going to be a winning roster next year. It's not. It's not if it's the same roster. Uh, And if you don't, if you're not trying to constantly improve, if you think you're going to win a league back to back years with the same roster, that's (laughs) unlikely to happen. Um, I mean, it just, it just is the, the running backs change that win the leagues, the wide receivers stay pretty consistent. You know, we've seen that study DLF puts that out every year. They go through the top 12, who's going to fall out, who's going to jump in. I mean, that's, that's something we all know. So it, it, and I'm kind, of, I'm kind of excited about the idea because it's not new, but I don't think I've been applying it. I wonder if other people aren't applying it because it's, again, I do think I had that fantasy in my head of building a dynasty roster look like all my best players, like all the ones that the metrics predicted and were undrafted and they just dominate for three years. And like, I've never seen that. And I don't think it's possible when I look at, realistically, like you say, what DLF shows year over year. And so I was thinking about past examples, and Jake had a really dominant team, not to give him any credit or kudos at all, ever, but, like, he had a team that just literally crushed one of our leagues. Like, two of our teams could have joined together and still not beating him in this league. And he spent the offseason churning the roster. And that's not because he lost uh, Kareem Hunt, which he did, because of what happened to Kareem Hunt, but it's because... I think Jake knows that his roster that was that dominant this year probably isn't going to be next year. And so he smartly churned a lot of the players. And he's still dominant in that league because he switched players out, if you know what I mean. And I don't think that was something, even though all the pieces I've said and I believe, I don't think I'd put it onto in points getting season process. Like go win, because winning is actually a lot rarer than you think in most leagues. And if you have a chance at winning, you really have to capitalize on it, even if it means losing value because the running backs you trade for get hurt. Um, And so that's something I'm really trying to be conscious of because I know it, but I don't think I practice it. And I'm not finding it a lot in trades. Uh, Just, again, that's allegorical, just based on my league. So that's probably just me. Like I say, I'm really bad at trade offers. It's been made very clear to me. I I mean, it's, it's hard... It's hard for people to really want to go all in. I'm an all in type of person. Like for me, I, I I adopted that policy when I started playing Dynasty. That like if the opportunity presents, I will sell out to try and win because I want to win. I don't really care what next year looks like at that point. All I want to do is win. You know, I made a terrible trade last year as we were coming down the stretch into the playoffs. I gave up Marvin Jones for whatever the Philadelphia running back was that was doing well at the time. Like he's not, I don't even think he's in the NFL anymore. <laughs> can't, what the hell was his name? Uh, I can't remember his name, but nonetheless, I wasn't using Marvin <laughs> Jones. He was never going to start for me. Mm-hmm. The running back that I traded for never started for me either, but I put him there he because he could have <laughs> like, there was a risk to my running backs more than there was a risk to my wide receivers. No matter what was going to happen, Marvin Jones wasn't going to make it. And all I wanted was an insurance policy. So Marvin Jones was my my payment for that. Do I wish I still had Marvin Jones on that roster right now? Hell yeah. Obviously I do. Even looking back, even though it was a terrible value trade, it was the right move. And sure enough, my team went on and had success in the playoffs. So ultimately, that's probably why it doesn't burn me as much. But I still know that it was the right move because it, it accomplished the goal that I had. I made it so that I had a little bit better of a chance to win last year and I could, I could take a hit easier than, you know, if I hadn't made that trade. 
So, I mean, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes you have to change into that mentality and other people just don't like to do that because they want, they want to win this year and next year. I'm not so sure it's, and people don't like to do it, but I'm not so sure people, like, I think people may, people, you know, whoever they are, might have been making the same mistake I am where without really considering it, you're thinking about something happening that can't happen. He had like three good weeks. <clears throat> uh, I traded for a lot of uh, Brandon Oliver once upon a time, if it helps. <laughs> uh, every trade is a decision point to either go uh, yes or no. And all, both directions have the same three outcomes. See, I originally started thinking about trades when I was looking at these two rosters from what would a game theory way of breaking it down look like. And, you know, as I understand game theory... You literally list out the number of options, then assign them probabilities, and that gives you the best decision to go on. That's how you always decide to change which door you want to open on the game show. Um, is that making sense? I assume everyone knows that much about yeah, game Your theory. team gets that... better, worse, or stays the same. Right, and that's true in either direction, right? Um, but there is another series of options of counter. I personally don't think people counter enough, um, and that's something I want to start doing. Like, if you get a bad trade offer... What you're being told is this person wants to trade. Um, and I think you should always counter. Does that make sense? Mm. Trade for something that isn't bad. Because maybe they just don't know or have a different valuation than you, but you can at least try. I don't often counter um, if, I, if I'm if i not looking to trade. I mean, there's plenty of teams where it doesn't matter what offer you send me. My team is how I like it. I have I've worked to set it up how I want. If you want something, like you're going to have to send an offer that makes me want to smash. Like, so I don't count. I, I don't counter in that point. If it's a person that I know, um, you know, and I'm comfortable with, I'll shoot him a message and I'll just say, you know, like, I'm not looking to move anybody right now. You know, is there anybody that you're, you know, what are you really looking for out of this offer? Is there a certain player? You know, I'll look at your roster. There's times when I'll look at a roster and I'll be like, there's literally nothing you could send me. Like, that that's going to get this player off of my roster right now. This this guy's well, why value. Why send it on that player then? What's it? like the the like it? Big... And maybe I'm wrong on this point. So that's kind of interesting. Like I assume there's always something on someone else's roster that can help improve your chances of winning. Mm, depend. Like a Marvin Jones, or like you're not going to use him, but it'll be nice to have him if an injury happens or if a bye week happens. I don't think so. Like, I um... mean, if if I have to give a you know if all somebody wants is one big stud player from my team. And they want to give me, you know, a whole bunch of nickels and dimes to add up to that dollar. I can't start all those nickels and dimes. So literally, like, right, 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 right. When that, you come, when you're uh, trying to come for one of my players that's key to me winning the league, like that is an extra added level of value to me beyond just what this player is worth. This player's worth way more to me <laughs> than he is to me trading him. That is something I'd say I'd learn about trades before now, which is always try and send as few players or things in return for what you're trading for as possible, because that's probably going to be as best, close as possible to something they might accept. Like, that's just a simple rule to cut, get closer. Like, if you're trying to send four things, you're probably sending too many. <laughs> it should be an equal amount as close as possible, like one for one. And that's why same position trades suck and stuff like that. And again... I think context play, should play a larger role, at least in the way I evaluate trades to send or accept or counter. Like, I think the context of who's winning this year and who's not should weigh heavily in our decisions. And something I want to run by you, like, I think we spend so long in the offseason talking about the value of players, but we talk about it in, 
lifetime sense. And I think that's the problem with trade calculators. We all know the problems with trade calculators. But trade calculators take a in a vacuum value, which are very valuable. I, I think they're really useful. But in a season when one team might be more closer to winning, or maybe both of you are close to winning and you're trying to get value at different positions because you suffered an injury, whatever it is, I think lifetime values should be more skewed to in-context values. Um, and that's kind of what I was saying about there's always something that can help your chances of winning in a trade, or that's my that's where I started from at least. Because in context, if you're winning, adding a piece that has less value but more points getting potential makes sense because you have to maximize that chance of winning. In season, um, context should matter more than lifetime value. Definitely. I mean, what's you know, we all say we want to play dynasty, but once the season starts, I mean. We do kind of shift a little bit to redraft because we want to win. I mean, you can't you can't think only about three years from now. Your roster is not going to be the same three years from now. If, if you have the same roster, you've done something terribly, terribly wrong. So, I mean, you, you really, <laughs> you're really playing in a short, short window. Like right. this year, and if you're winning this year, this year is the most important year. Again, I'm an aggressive person who is willing to lose a trade if it wins me more when I'm winning. So I, I do like what you say about the calculators. It'd be nice if they had a button that you could change a setting to say like contending team, non-contending right. team. Cause some of those assets, I mean, they just, they should automatically have, you know, like a 25 to 50% bump because that is the reason that you're winning with them. Why would you trade them while you're winning if they are winning for you? And yeah, I think that's a mistake I've been making too. Like, I, I think when I think back, I can think of trades where I should have accepted that for the context of it could have helped me win, for whether I won or lost it. Like, I think I could have won more leagues just thinking about it in terms of context. And I think I'm too used to thinking about Dynasty as opposed to Redraft. I mean, you can't, you can't, sell, the whole, you can't sell the whole farm. I think we all say to extent people play Dynasty too much um, too, as something too different from Redraft, right? Because you, you are meant to be trying to win. But, um, like, I don't think it's a separate process. Like there There's a little bit. It is different because you have the ability to trade your future away to win. You don't have that option in redraft. I think a lot of people well, are, yeah, the, are reticent to take that opportunity um, when it presents itself. And I think, it's, yeah, that's what it was. I, I think we think it's because we're thinking in terms of a roster instead of what a dynasty is in fantasy football. Not like a dynasty in real football is the Patriots, right? Yes. Um, but a dynasty in fantasy football isn't this, isn't a roster. It's a process of rebuilding your roster from a stationary set of players. So in redraft, you can rebuild your roster by drafting a whole new team. But in dynasty, it's a process of changing your roster enough or a little bit. I'm not saying you have drastically rehaul it every year. And in that example, Jake didn't. He lost like two or three players and gained two two players or something. But like, yeah, you can. I mean, you can you can win play win in dynasty football without having a dynasty on your team. Like, I mean, you don't you don't you don't have right. to be a dynasty to win. If you have a chance to win, win. It doesn't just because you don't win three years in a row. It does, yeah, like, it doesn't even matter. Like, right. You won. <laughs> Like, the goal was to win. You won a championship. It's hard to win a dynasty championship. You know, it is hard to do because other people have also built up over a couple of years. So you're not playing against, you're playing against a thinner pool of, uh, like, you know, people that are going for it. There's always going to be a few teams that aren't going for it. So they're out of it right away. They're not making the playoffs. 
but the teams that make the playoffs are that much stronger. So to beat them, it's just straight up harder to do. So you can't think of trying to win at Dynasty. The only measure of winning at Dynasty is if you actually have a Dynasty on your hands and you can win and win and win. Just winning a year is winning in Dynasty football. And again, just to be clear, I'm not... I'm not saying we should go out and trade for Sanders and Fitzgerald for all of our Juju Smith-Schusters or anything like that. Like, you can, but I think... No, don't do that, people. Trade, no, no. no. <laughs> Peter said you can. You can't. Do not do that. Like, he's one of my main targets right now because I'm willing to give really high-value assets but are out of a lower tier in what I think of as uh, dynasty tier. So the, the other team's getting a better chance to win, and their value will carry over. You're going to have to send a mega offer for someone like Juju, but I'm kind of happy of doing that in the leagues where I'm definitely not going to win. Let's say you're. Let's let me throw one out at you, Peter. Let's let's throw one out. If you're in the middle right now and you're sitting there with Alvin Kamara, and you know there's a team that's a couple of spots ahead of you in the standings, they look like they're a championship contender. You look like you're a playoff team. Not a kid, right, you know. Right. Would you fire off Alvin Kamara and be like, "Hey, you can have Kamara, and I get Juju." Kamara for Juju, um, yeah, probably. It, that's the thing. If I have a chance of winning, I'm trying to win. <laughs> like I, like I would always try to win. Like it's very rare in the generic. I'm just still going to try and win, and I think that's a losing move right now. So I'll probably keep Kamara. But if I'm on a team that's borderline playoff or not going to make the playoffs, yes. Uh, yeah, I definitely would. And right now we're early enough in the season where it's not crystal clear yet. A few weeks from now, it'll be a lot more clear right now in a 12 team league. If you're looking at it, you know, you might be able to judge who's going to make the playoffs and who's not, but just looking standings wise, there's probably eight to 10 teams that still look really (laughs) good to make the playoffs and probably one to two that, uh, they're probably already out of it or they believe they're out of it, or everybody else believes they're out of it. You know, it's tough to come back from 0-4 and 1-3 and and unless you're under certain, certain circumstances, which happens. <laughs> right. Um, uh, the other thing I've learned about, or I th- I'm starting to think about trades, is everyone has two set of rules. And the thing about if you think people are doing things wrong, that's just complaining, unless you can convert it into something that helps you win. And so far, I haven't. I just suck. I just suck at trades. So, like, I'm trying to identify what I think is an inefficiency to help. And one of the things is everyone... I think you posted something about this. You were posting the value of Stefan Diggs, and you found <laughs> most people rejected that value. And I think that's a, the same effect. Like, everyone has a different value for what they would pay to what they think everyone else should expect. I, did, I specifically did not say pay or sell in that. And right, right, Like, right. JP even said, you have to say, what would you sell them for? And I was... That wasn't my goal. I wanted to get the mixed responses of people having to decide they don't get don't tell me what you're going to buy for and what you're going to sell for i understand those are two different prices those are definitely two different prices they should be why would you buy and sell for the exact same price so like when i posted that i wanted to know what was in the middle so that's the you you talked about how twitter you know makes things look way worse and stuff like that oh it totally does that's why i mean i've started to do I don't think trade polls are all that much fun. When I put out something like that or the week before when I did Corey Davis or a 2022nd, I just like to have a little bit of fun with the hyperbole that happens on Twitter. So I'll throw out something like that. Just kind of it entertains me while I watch the responses to it. But hey, this week it worked out because when the majority came back, it, it was like 50% or something said Diggs is worth a 2021st. And I was like, 
there's no way. So because I like to have even more fun, then I put it into practice and I send offers. And I think I sent like, I don't know, 12 or 13 offers out for digs for 2021st. Sure enough, one of them got accepted and I was over the moon. Um, if I need to, I can probably turn him into a running pack later in the year if I need to. Trading uh. is, I mean, trading something that the only way to really get better at it is just to continue to hammer it and try and try and try and try and try. Yeah, just keep trying it. And I mean, do not expect success. You are going to fail way, way, way more than you're going to succeed. If you're, if every single offer that you send is getting accepted or you accept every single offer that is sent to you, you're probably doing something wrong. <laughs> they are a way to build. Trades are, trades are definitely a way to build. You can't build your team only from the draft. One, we get a lot of draft picks wrong. <laughs> no matter how smart you are. It's like you're not going to win. If you're in that situation and you're like, I'm going to do well, I'm doing really well so far. I, I think it's really, really against the odds that you're going to win that way. Everyone can play however's fun for them is the other thing. Like, do that. That's great. I enjoy standing uh, and trying it, things like that too. But, like, if you think about winning, like, it's got to be the lowest way for it to happen. Like, the easiest year to win is the first year. After that, you're already on an uphill swing. And if you're trying to do it purely through the draft, it's difficult. But everything I come to with trades is, like, trades that help almost make no sense to one party or the other except in very specific situations which is why trades happen so rarely where if you if we actually got a big enough non-skewed sample like we do on twitter and so building any old way is difficult which is why you're gonna have to find another way but the more i think i come to terms what my why my trades honestly suck i'm willing to admit that is because the things that could help you build through trades don't really make sense for most of the teams that you would offer them to. So, like, I don't know how you move upwards um, in the generic. I think it has to be specific, and that's kind of what you were saying, right? Well, it's, It has to be league-specific and team-specific in order to find an edge that way. It is, and it's also, unfortunately, a lot of people don't see going down to the bottom of a league as a, as a positive, <laughs> so they end up in the middle. And, like, right, I, right, that, exactly. that, took me, yeah. that took me one season in Dynasty to realize... Holy crap, don't ever end up in the middle. Because if you're in the middle, you're going to be in the middle the next year. Like, it's easier, I think, to get to the top from the bottom than it is to try to incrementally move your way up. Like, okay, you finished eighth. Well, maybe next year you can finish sixth. It's really tough to go eighth, sixth, fourth, second, first. Like, that doesn't happen. If If you look at the league, you can watch how teams make these huge jumps and it's because when they were in the middle, they had some guys that were of value. They sold them. So that's where the trading comes in and it does help you. They sold them off for what became value for the future. And then they compiled all that future value all at once and they can make a huge jump. You see that every year. A team that was terrible the year before, no matter how they spend their capital, it might not be all on rookies. Just because you have a bunch, you acquire a bunch of rookie draft picks, doesn't mean yeah you're not going to hit. You're not going to you're not going to do that. But use your capital. That value is to buy a win, not buy a rookie with, right? Yep. You have to. It's it's capital. It's not. Don't call. Don't even call them rookie draft picks. Just call them future capital, and then spend it accordingly. Go out and get vet some veterans that are just going to be out producing. You know, find yourself your window. And then go for it. Don't mire in the middle. That's just, 
you're when you're stuck in the middle, it's really hard to get out of. So that's, I think we've talked about trading from the top, bottom and middle. <laughs> if I'm in the middle, I consider myself almost in last place and I'd rather be in last place and just sell off. I was just thinking I could cut everything I've said out and just use your last five minutes here. But like, oh, yeah, that's it. That's that's basically uh, probably everything I said. Um, but yeah, it's really difficult to build through trades. It is. Um, it's dif- It's difficult to build. It's it's difficult to get anywhere that's once the you're thing. stuck. I do. I've always... I've, rebuilding isn't a thing. Like, I know people tear down and try to rebuild a roster all the time. But like... I don't think building mode is a thing. And the other thing I'm... Uh, I don't think most people say they're building are actually building. You can do it. it, it building building is a thing. Uh, but I think it's because, again, I assume building meant something that it doesn't for most people. If people look at building as something that takes three to four years, they're doing it wrong. Like, if, that, you, can't, yeah. if you can't flip a whole roster in two years and basically make it change over a two-year span then you're not putting in the effort to actually build that team. I mean, you have to be super active on the waiver wire. <laughs> Anytime some guy pops, you need to try and get him or get him beforehand. If you're in a super flex league, load up every damn backup quarterback on your roster and then just wait and wait. And every week when that quarterback gets hurt, the injury of the week, then you take that quarterback and you get whatever, get a second for it if you can, get a third, get whatever you can. You have to just build it, build it, build, build your, you have to build your opportunity. So it's not building your roster, I don't think. You're building up your possible future assets, and then you kind of have to just shove, <laughs> like, all at once. I don't think, I don't think building can be a slow building process that takes three, be. four, or five years. If, if somebody tells you that they're in a three or four year rebuild, they're probably not going to be rebuilt in three or four years because two to three years from now, they're probably going to be stuck maybe in the middle. Uh, they might be, you know, if they if they add enough pieces one year to move up a little and then they add enough pieces uh, the next year to move up a little bit, then they're not going to have probably the amount of ammo to make that final jump. And those teams that are already up there, once you're up there, it's a hell of a easier to stay up there because you can sacrifice you can overpay and sacrifice a whole lot to get one final piece and then sacrifice it all again the next year and get one final piece it's it's much easier to stay up there once you're up there yeah i find i'm most willing to well like you said about me firmly standing on player evaluation takes i'm most Mm. willing to avoid those and start thinking in terms of probability and where can i just more likely improve my team oh, when Peter, I'm in these drastic situations. You, it's going to be fun to watch you make this change because... No, that's the thing. I, it'll be interesting. But please continue to do your player evaluation because I really do appreciate it. Don't give I it think up. The differ- <laughs> I think the difference is where I'm going to switch that into when I'm winning as well. Like you, Because normally when I'm winning, I'm willing to rest on it a little more. But in these losing teams, I'm like, I'm learning a lot about what to do for winning teams as well. And some of that is you have to be willing to shift harder. You just have to be, um, cause you got to make a push where you can. And so like, I know this player is better than what I'm trading him for. Almost never makes sense in terms of winning mode or in terms of points getting season, at least, um, rookie evaluation. I, I still think it's different, but there you go. Um, so, you know, I'm learning maybe, I don't know, getting better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John, where can people find you to learn all of these uh, fantastic trade secrets? 
on Twitter all the time. I am at John Bosch FF. And I, hopefully we made some sense here talking about trades. I mean, we didn't have a linear path to anything because there simply is no linear path in trading. I mean, it's a, it's a scattershot approach. And I think we talked forever and probably repeated ourselves because that's what happens when you're talking about trading. It's, you, you go around in a circle. Or when you're just talking to me. You can just say it. You can just say no, what I say it, John. No, it's fine. True. I'm better at this. Not true it. at all. Not true at all. <laughs> I, that, um, I mean, trading is trading is something that's very hard to define. It's very hard to perform. It's 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 one of the most challenging things. But when you do get a trade to go through, oh, it feels so good. I wouldn't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, all right, guys. I, I think we better get out of here because this is already going to be a hellscape. Uh, in and of itself to uh, edit um so thanks again for coming to the crossroads uh, and checking us out and hey another voice on the crossroads really appreciate you coming on john because it's very clear at this point be- me being left alone to stand at the crossroads has sent me to a weird place and i need moderation like i said in the pre-show that i've become that guy in the conspiracy gif just with his hair wild and notes on the wall and it's getting a little wild in here, so I appreciate you coming in and trying to temper me down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I'm glad I could um, temper you down to like a three-and-a-half-hour recording. Right, exactly. So <laughs> you, sh- you should hear the podcast I'm just doing by myself. I like three-day-long rants, and uh, weeding that down to 30 minutes has been really difficult. Um, so yeah, There's no again. way you're getting this one down to 30 minutes. Uh, challenge except no probably not i'll try my best uh thanks again for checking us out and i will talk to you again again for the love of all that's football hopefully with someone else um next week here at the crossroads thanks again bye oh i can hit stop now Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight. Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more. Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars. Dropping bombs without no borders, they got that eye, eye like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and they on the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and they on the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.